Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, positively different radio in the morning. You are with the double L team, Lyle and... Lawson! Lawson, how are you this morning? Oh, I'm feeling great. Are you better than yesterday? I think I am. You, I, think I am. I'm more awake. You will look and sound better than yesterday. Yeah. I'm just improving by the. I really do believe we are watching watching Lawson blossom in front of us. You know what it was. What was it? You know. What, you know what it was. I, and I think this is what I'm grateful for. Listeners who that's, were sending uh, in their support. That's definitely something. You know what it really was. Asian food. <laughs> I've been at home for the last <laughs> week and a half eating like uh, hydrolite ice blocks and toast. Um, and now, <laughs> well, yesterday was my first day back at work, and you know, I, I work with Asian people and we have lunch together, and it's like, you know, just smashing fried rice and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And it's, I think it's actively making me better. Yes, I think your f- future is in like Korea or China or <laughs> yeah. Indonesia or somewhere else. Maybe somewhere like that. I just oh, I just love rice. Rice is the best. I literally eat rice. I just cook rice in the rice cooker and then just put like soy sauce in it. When I was your age, I was eating rice at least twice a day. That's so awesome. And then I got sick of it. Then you got sick of it. Yeah, like, <laughs> I did that for two years and it's like, nah, I've eaten a, a lifetime's worth. Because you didn't have enough soy sauce, dude. Possibly. You didn't have enough gochujang. Possibly. That's one of my favourite things. It's like this chilli paste that you like we stir used, into it. We used something other than soy sauce. I forget what it's called. Salt. Yeah, no, it wasn't salt. It was uh, like looks and tastes like soy sauce. Bragg's amino acids. Bragg's amino acids, which is better for you than soy I sauce. I have no idea what that is. It's amino it's, acids. That's like the white person soy sauce. Yeah. It sounds like it. The healthy Bra- version. A Bragg's like amino the ultra, acid. ultra healthy version. Yeah, well, no wonder you got over it. Can you still buy it? I don't know. No, you can't still buy it. Uh, if maybe. I'm <laughs> not over it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the best stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah the Asian food's just, just going it's, for it. Oh, it's and, where it's at. I think that's what's making me better too, to be honest. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It is the breakfast show, and we are about to get into our quiz. So uh-huh. put your thinking caps on, get ready to go. Here comes the first question. All right, pentathlon quiz, one hundred points. By showing hospitality to strangers, whom have some entertained unawares? Wow, this is a, this is a steep one hundred points, guys. But get into it. And, and, and that's like King James version too. Yeah, that's right. Unawares. Unawares. How often do you talk about doing things? Unawares. Uh, v- very rarely. We should bring that. We should bring. That I, word I back. think it sounds cool. It's a cool word. It is. Yes. Ah, yeah. I did that unawares. I was flirting unawares. <laughs> a classic, classic blunder. Um, zero four nine one zero six 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 nine is the number to call if you know the answer. Uh, again, I'll read that oh, question. I wasn't that. My, my, my <laughs> mind didn't go there. By showing hospitality to strangers, whom have some entertained unawares? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call. You can get your num- uh, points on the board and can or continue. Yeah, continue to work your way through the quiz. Fantastic stuff. Okay. All right, let's talk about some positively different news this morning. What have you got for us? Oh, all right. Okay, this is this is really interesting. I have a, I have, a, I have some really feel-good stories, but I wanted to talk about a story first where, okay, so at the moment, um, many o- automotive 
companies are testing self-driving cars. You've got, you know, Google, Chevy, and probably the most prolific has been Tesla themselves, being that they were, they've kind of pioneered this in the within the the open market and they're they're currently doing their work they put out the self-driving beta and people are using it and testing it um but 54,000 of the tesla vehicles have been either recalled or told to be parked so they can do like a mandatory update to stop self-driving cars from acting like human beings and this is this yeah, you is, wouldn't want that the, because this is how the, they basically put a human function. beings are broken. That's you right. Want to buy a broken car, <laughs> and you know how it was how it was d- doing that um, was that they had a function in the car. They called it the um, the rolling stop function, which was when if it came to a stop sign, it w- it would scan around and look around and make sure no one was there, and then it just wouldn't stop. It would just like oh, and you'd get booked for it, and you you would slow right down to like a like a five four mile roll, and then just go like oh no one's here, and then just roll through the stop sign and take off <laughs> like like most people do right, which is technically illegal, and yeah. so they this was a function in the car, and it's but it's actually a fuel saving <clears throat> function, so it's good for the environment. It, it, Rolling <laughs> stop is is you know because. You know the difference between a rolling start and a race and a start from stop. It's a yeah, big yeah. difference, right? Yeah, exactly. So, but, so you're saying a lot of energy. But it's also illegal I like, think they should, to I think not they stop should, at stop signs. I think they should legalise rolling stops and, <laughs> and put the function back in the car. Well, that's the thing. If if a car that's not being controlled by a human that is con- that has the ability to scan everything around it is doing it, then is it technically like a problem slash is it? illegal but they've gone like the government and whatnot have kind of put clamps on this this and they're like this is illegal this is like yes. what we book humans for doing yes. <laughs> so you would um, be annoyed if you weren't driving your car and you got booked that would be the worst <laughs> <laughs> that would be the worst and so i mean what would you tell the cop is like I wasn't driving. I wasn't you can't book driving. me. He's like, you're behind the steering wheel. But I wasn't driving. But it's I a was- self-driving car. <laughs> you can't book me. Book the car. Book Tesla. <laughs> book Tesla. Put it on their tab. And so, and so, yeah, this is like, I think it's like 450,000 um, Tesla vehicles in the US at the moment. And so this is only a small portion of them that are currently being patched around 54,000. But yeah, they're really, they're putting, they're literally, they're putting the brakes on this thing. And then they're making uh. these things slow down, which is... Oh, kind of like I love I love I love that this is a feature. I feel like it's such a a reflection of like the goals of like Elon Musk just to be like stopping at stop signs. That's dumb. <laughs> I'm just gonna roll. Yeah, I'm just sort of thinking if I owned one of these, would I would I actually do the upgrade? Be like, Ooh, I wonder how much can, how long I can postpone this upgrade oh, for. You know when those upgrades come through on your phone and whatnot. Oh yeah, you just don't. It's, let it's it, yeah. just like postpone, postpone, postpone because I'm gonna have to learn something new, and I don't want to learn something new. I, works just i can't wait eventually it does it by itself automatically i can't wait until like teslas are like yeah they're like self-driving and then halfway through a trip it just like powers down and it's like oh not need a software update so <laughs> <laughs> like, like oh i don't care about your deadline i need a software update they could do they could control your life with that um yep. oh okay in other news oh this is really oh sorry that's what i like about my bedford truck <laughs> yeah tesla can't get me <laughs> 1961 bedford truck you can press any buttons anywhere in the world and it's just going to keep driving this is gonna you know as long as sucking fuel as long as that out yeah as long as that belt doesn't snap and as long as you know yeah, as long as you stay so. under 60 kilometers an hour on the freeway then 
As long as the big end doesn't go out through the sump. That's right. She's good to go. Okay. Oh, other news. This is so cool. Um, so this guy, um, his name is Zacharias Van Vakusis. Uh, he has created this machine and he calls it the iHarp. And basically it's for quadriplegics to be able to play music with, with their eyes. And it's so cool. So basically it has this like eye tracking function technology uh and basically what it does he had a this guy himself he had a friend who got in a motorcycle accident and that limited he was like a professional guitarist and then that like very hev- heavily limited his ability and he had to change careers and everything and so he wanted to come up with some kind of solution for this um and iHarp it started in 2019 it's currently in its fifth iteration and basically it tracks your eyes and it puts a big wheel on the screen um and you can put like any scale you want in any any, any key or, you know, if you want, like, you have, like, your standard heptatonic scale, which is, like, a, a seven-note um, seven scale, or you can make it a pentatonic or a dentatonic or whatever to get all different kinds of sounds. And basically, you look at the notes and then they play. And it's so awesome um, because... I mean, so I could play this. You could play it. Anyone could play it. But it's specifically for people who don't have motion. Okay. But like, yeah. but anyone could play it. And I, the, I, I like this. Maybe I should get one of these iHarp things. And the cool thing about it too is that, like, because it's such a an electronic thing, it has the ability to actually train you how to play it. Mm-hmm. It's like, like it'll like it has like a training mode where it highlights certain sectors for you to be able to look at, and then you know it's teaching you how to play songs. If anyone has ever like had one of those, you get like one of those electric keyboards, and it has the light up keys, and it teaches you how to play the songs. It does like a similar thing, um, and they've already gotten this to the point where like people are good enough at this, where they've been participating in like full orchestras and all these kinds of things with the ability to be able to to play just using their eyes. So, so, okay, but it's just like reading music. It's just like, yeah. How do your eyes even move when you're, re- you're re- reading? This is the it's thing. Got me, it's got me a little bit confused here. Okay, so, so you would confused. think you would know a piece, right? You mm-hmm. would know, like, how a, the, the, flow- so you, put, you throw some sheet music up on the, on the device. Well, no. No. It, I guess you would have to memorize it because you don't have the ability to look at sheet music. So you would sit there and you just like know each note that's coming, which usually like for. So you look at different notes on the screen then? Yeah, so on the screen there's a wheel okay. with, with, with all notes. The different notes. And you would look at each note and, and it, would, each... and it gotcha. would play. All right, um, starting to make sense now. Because like half of the battle with music, like, yes, there is, you know, it's cool to be able to have the technique to be able to play but especially in the upper echelons like when people get really good and technique is 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 important but it yes. it becomes more about how well you um understand music like That's right. how good your musicality is in terms of knowing what notes to play like yes. particularly in the realm of improvisation and jazz and all that stuff and yeah, so yeah, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. for these guys it's more about like oh like you could still be like a professional musician by like because you are smart slash good enough to be able to to arrange in your mind and be able to play along just like with your eyes. Mm. I feel like someone who's a quadriplegic who is a musician still has the ability to make music and that's the blessing of computerized music. You know, they can make pieces and all that stuff, but now they have the ability to play along. Yeah, that's pretty sensational. Which is so awesome. Like that is. Ah, this makes me so hyped. And I feel like it gives Particularly as a musician, I mean this would mean a lot to you as a musician. Ultimately what it does is it gives people the ability to 
join in and play music. Yes. And, and the more you can get, you know, a quadriplegic is pretty limited in what they actually can, can do, do and yeah. how they can participate in society and contribute to society. And this is actually a major contribution to society. That's music right. is Music is really, really a very practical way of contributing. Mm. I think it's also a major contribution to the mental health and well-being of the quadriplegic yes. themselves, giving yes. them something to sink their time into and to learn and something as noble and as awesome as music. And if I was a quadriplegic, the hardest thing to deal with for me would not being, would be not being able to contribute. Just like, I just sit here and take, 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 take. Yeah. Now you can get Now back. you can. You've got something to do. Oh, yeah. this is so... Awesome. This is so amazing. But yeah, I guess um, we can follow the story as it goes forward. It's currently being updated. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We're about to hit some more serious news. Before we do, we have another clue for our quiz. Congratulations mm. to those who got the answer to the first one correct. Right. Let's see if you can get the answer to the second one. Maybe All someone right. can take on the show bag today. Here we go. Much more, much more simple, much uh, plainer language here. How did Samson's wife die? If you know, 0491-064-669 is the number to call. How did Samson's wife die? Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> that's, um, that's a heavy one to start the breakfast show with. But yeah. anyway, uh, there it is. Yeah. How did she die? We um, need to find the answer to that one. Mm-hmm. 0491-064-669 is the number to call. Yeah. Okay, so I've just sort of started back this week, uh-huh. and there's a whole bunch of news stories sort of sitting there, and it's like, which one do we talk about first? Wow. I've been sitting on this one and just mulling it over for a little while, and this is, of course, uh, Brisbane City Point Christian College, mm. and uh, uh, what's taking place up there. Now, you've probably heard about it in the news. It'd be a little bit hard not to. It's uh, mm. coming across my international news sites now, um, and uh, the reason being is that they put out a parent contract. Now... I'm. My, I don't have school age kids at the moment, so I don't know whether this is a, a typical thing or not. That you know, you send something out to the parents, and this is like the uh, principles, the guidelines, the uh, values by which this school operates, and you sign up to it and show that you're cool with it, um, and so forth. This one was a little bit different and a little bit interesting because of several things that it had in it. Uh, first of all, in this particular contract, it said that the Bible has uh, the Bible ties gender to biological sex. Well, science does that. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, distinctions are made between male and female in the areas of uniforms, presentation, terminology, bathrooms, sports, and that uh, they're determined based on biological sex. Mm. So when I read that right there, I'm thinking, okay, if I get this contract... I think it would be a little bit unusual to see this in a contract. And, and well, it's definitely unusual because it's the first time it's ever been seen in a contract. Mm. But there's a couple of things that go through my mind. And first of all, well, to be honest, if I was a parent in Queensland right now in Brisbane, particularly of school age girls, I would definitely send my girls to the school. Mm. And, and, and these are the reasons why. Uh, first of all, I would know that. The girls' safe places in these schools, as in you know locker rooms and toilets and so forth, where they need um, and have their privacy and their safe places, would be protected. Mm. Uh, you know, counselling areas, you know, girls only, whatever it might be, and and that's important to me. Mm. I think it's important that we are protecting our girls. Uh, they are the more vulnerable members of our society, and we need to recognise that. 
Um, the second thing is that the second reason that I would choose this school would be based on the safety of my daughters if I had daughters in the sports field. Mm. You know, I don't Ooh. want I don't want my I don't want my girls going up against. I remember once when, for some reason, when I was in high school, and I don't remember why, that um, maybe half the school was away or something or other. There wasn't enough in sports uh, to be able to form two full teams for the guys and for the girls. And it's like, well, we'll just do guys against girls in hockey. Mm. It was just a bloodbath. <laughs> it was just you have no idea. It was. It was like, ouch. Um, and I would not want to see that taking place. And mm. so this would be, so, so my, my girls' safe places would be protected. Their physical bodies would be protected, you know, on the sports field. Mm. Um, the third reason, and this is probably one of the really major reasons that I would choose this school, is that there would be a, a heightened level of safety from the uh, current uh, contagion uh, amongst teenage girls of transsexualism, transgenderism. Mm. Uh, this is just massive. It's sweeping through our schools. A lot of schools, the vast majority of the girls are now uh, identifying as you know transgender, transsexual and so forth. Um, the only positive from it is that it has wiped out anorexia and bulimia. They've just simply vanished. Mm. Um the fourth reason would be that I would have confidence that in the classroom my girls would be taught empirical science. Mm. Uh, empirical science is a very, very valuable thing that we need to teach in schools. We've stopped teaching science and we've replaced it with ideology mm. and I don't think we should be teaching ideology in the science. Mm. You know, Teach your ideology in your philosophy class if you have a philosophy class and give the pros and the cons either side and do it that way, but don't bring it into the science class. It, that's not where it belongs. So those are the reasons why, yeah, I think if I was in Brisbane, I'd be like, yeah, if I can afford this school, I send my kids there. And if I can't afford this school, I'll homeschool them. It's kind of kind of how it is. Now, of course, it's got a million people up in arms, and I'm like, well, why be up in arms? If you don't like it, just cancel it. You know, there's this thing, there's this beautiful thing that we have in this country called capitalism, and if everybody doesn't like it, it's going to disappear. That's right. Really, oh, really so easily. True. Yeah, schools can't function without kids going there. Exactly. <laughs> you know, just let capitalism take care of it. You know, cancel culture, as much as we really hate cancel culture, is really just a a, uh, a form of capitalism taking place. Oh, totally. Like, yeah. When it all boils down, it's just a, it's just a uh, a form of capitalism. I don't like the bullying aspect of it. It's mm. definitely bullying, and I hate that. But at the end of the day, I don't know if a company does something dumb on Twitter and then you decide to cancel them. Well, then I don't know. That's their problem, right? Okay. So I've said all of those things there. Uh huh. Now we need to talk about some other issues, and uh, we've got some text messages. I'd love to hear from you guys on on, on this particular um, subject because my first question is, okay, these are things that I like about this school. I mm-hmm. like the fact that it protects our girls. Mm-hmm. Is putting a contract out to the parents the right way of going about this, particularly in today's political environment? Is it... Is it creating a hornet's nest where there doesn't need to be one? And is it going to result in legislation that actually brings more harm to the cause than otherwise? Mm. That's my first question. But what would be the other alternative? Like you could just have it as a part of the school policy, right? And then just 
when you sign up to go to that school. Yeah, I, and, and I think that would be much better. It seems to me to be shoving it in everybody's faces to send yeah. out a contract to the parents, sign up to this. It does go on to say that students who do not abide by those rules will be excluded from the school. Mm. Or if they choose not to part way through, that they'll be excluded. So basically if a, if a, if a student identifies as transsexual halfway through the year, uh, they're excluded from the school. And mm. I'm wondering... Is there a okay? How do we how do we deal with that kind of a situation? Is that is that the most beneficial thing for that student to have them yeah. have them yeah. excluded from that school because they are dealing with those particular issues in their life? Yeah, at least from my perspective, wouldn't it be a better thing for them to be there rather than anywhere else? Where exactly? Yeah, exactly. So so, and this is the flip side to the conversation and. This is a conversation that we need to have. I'd love to hear from you guys. In fact, I've got some, uh, I've got some text. Uh, okay, so text message coming through here. Is there room in that school to minister to children who are questioning their sexuality? Mm. Okay, so I will address that very briefly because it goes on to say, uh, and of course the media has conflated these two things together, but they're actually separate when you actually look at the contract. They can be excluded over issues of... Uh, transgender, transsexual, you know, breaking the breaking the rules as far as those go. However, you they the school is not excluding people based on their um, their uh, sexual preferences, mm. so to speak, or, or uh, not preferences, but um, orientation. Uh, orientation is the word I'm looking for right yeah. here. Yeah. Okay. It does say that. Um, sexual, sexually immoral acts, so any kind of sex outside of marriage, mm. are sinful. Mm-hmm. That is basic Christianity yeah. that we've mm-hmm. had for like 6,000 years. There's mm-hmm. nothing new about that. Mm-hmm. But that does then, of course, automatically include homosexuality, adultery, fornication, um, you know, incest, uh, pedophilia, pornography, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So it includes all of those things. Mm-hmm. And so no student is excluded from the school. So you do, you know, students that do identify as being a, having a different orientation are not excluded. But if they break the rules as far as their, um, the, the, you know, the, the, the safe places and, and school uniforms and those kind of things go, as far as their um, gender identity goes, then they are excluded. Mm. And so, yeah, how do you minister to somebody and aren't they better off in a Christian school? Mm. Love to hear all of your thoughts on this. Uh, it's something that is going to stay in the media for some time. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Songs for Worship. It is time for our interview of the day. Before we go there, we have another clue for our quiz. And it's good to see some text messages coming through on this uh, City Point Christian College mm. um, issue. Would love to hear from more of you. Okay, first of all, is this, uh, I guess the big question in my mind is what is the best way of addressing this issue in the school context? Obviously, Mm. from a parent's perspective, I see a lot of advantages there. But from an educator's perspective, if you come from that perspective, it's like, okay, how do you minister to kids that have issues? How do you, where, where do you, how do you navigate this? I'd love to even hear from some educators this morning and hear the other side of the story. It's like, what do you actually do? It's an interesting yeah, world interesting. we live in. Never had to Stop. deal with these kinds of issues before, but now we do. Yes. Okay, we do. let's go on to uh, our uh, let's go on to our next te- 
quiz, quiz, question. quiz, quiz question. All right, for 300 points, at the time of the census, which was conducted by Moses in the first chapter of Numbers, which of the 12 tribes of Israel was the largest? 0491064669 is the number to call if you know the answer. For 300 points, you can win yourself a pocket sermon or get those points on the board, continue to work your way through the quiz. But again, that question was, at the time of the census, which were, which was conducted by Moses in the first chapter of Numbers, which of the 12 tribes of Israel was the largest? Okay. All right. If you know the answer to this, then you will be able to uh, win yourself a prize. 0491064669 is mm. the number to call. My text messages are just buzzing away right now. So <laughs> it's going to be an interesting time when we come back after the hour. Super keen to hear from you guys and to hear your thoughts on this matter. How do we, how do we minister to kids that are dealing with these kinds of issues in a Christian school context while protecting our young girls. Mm. All right. Uh, it's time for us to go to our interview of the day. And Lawson, yesterday we spoke about, uh, w- w- during the uh, positive news section, you shared about your experience with COVID. <laughs> yeah. And pastors and ministerial families have been, you know, dealing with the challenges of COVID in Australia for the last couple of years, which has, you know, involved a lot of Zoom. Uh, it's been really restrictive. Now what we're finding is that our ministers are dealing with a different kind of challenge with COVID because, well, people that work with people catch it. And I want to talk to a ministry family this morning that uh, had a bit of a rough run with COVID over the year end. So I believe that we have Josh and Tanya joining us. Tanya, welcome to the show. Good morning. Fantastic to have you on the show. Now, you and your husband minister in uh, Sydney. Whereabouts in Sydney are you guys currently ministering? Um, right now, we are ministering at the Ride Church. Okay, and over the uh, over the, the the Christmas break, you joined the uh, the the large number of people across Australia who came down with COVID. Ah, oh, she joined the club. She joined Let's the go. club. Yeah. Joined Lawson's club right there. So um, <laughs> we, we we welcome the new year. Actually, um, having COVID. Oh, you welcome was... welcome the new year with COVID. Yes. So, 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 does this spell good things for the year? Like we've got the bad stuff past, or is this, or is this just like the start of another one of those years that we've been having for the last couple of years? Like, here comes twenty twenty two. Well, it's not a great start, definitely. Um, but this, this is also a sense of relief that if we have those antibodies and it's done now. Because I, I have lupus, and the fear was um, that I would end up in hospital mm. or much worse. Yes. So, I kind of have this relief that, okay, that's done. We survived it. Let's move on. Yes. Now, we've got a, a variety of, uh, you know, different people. Some people take the jab. Some people don't take the jab. Uh, Lawson did. You guys, did you have the jab or not have the jab or otherwise? We didn't. Okay. Um, all, all four of us, um, both our girls and myself and, and Josh, we didn't. Okay, so you chose not to, and uh, you know that's fine. We respect everybody's decision on this, and this is the the important thing that I've been arguing is that we need to have freedom of choice here in Australia as far as these things go. Now, your experience with COVID, so you've got a, a pre existing health condition which is a serious one, um, and it you know would be a little bit scarier um, coming down with COVID. Was it was it scary? Was there a point where you were actually afraid for say for your life, etc.? Um, not whilst I had COVID, but I was fearing it getting much worse and me needing to go to hospital. I do have mm. a friend with an autoimmune disorder as well, and um, she took the vaccination and is still in recovery from her first dose. Um, 
very serious reaction. She was completely immobile at one point. Um, so I, I, I had the fear, you know. Mm. And for somebody with lupus, do you get an exemption for the vaccine with, with lupus? I'm- I did find that route. My specialist said, no, no, you should just get it. You're fine. Um, I'm actually currently taking, um, what is it, honey? Hydroxychloroquine. I take that daily. Right. Um, It's that, I think, that um, medication that Trump has signed up for. Yep. Anyway, it it, it was used to treat um, COVID. Sure. Okay, so. So so, so um, I take that daily, so perhaps I had... The upper hand in this case. <laughs> and uh, so, so did was 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 your husband was Josh taking the, the same treatment as well? No, he wasn't. He's here with me. Okay, so we need to we need to. This is the big question. This is the big question, all right? And, and of course, the crazy thing with COVID is that every individual is so different. You know, there's just uh, stats here that I was looking at a moment ago that forty percent of people in the Hunter who caught COVID have been completely asymptomatic and haven't had any symptoms at all. So, bro, I wish <laughs> Lawson just got <laughs> smashed with it. Um, so you're taking the uh, hydro hydroxychloroquine, whatever. Thing, Don't um, worry, I can't <laughs> But you you also have a pre a pre existing health condition. Which one of you got smashed hardest? Uh, probably Josh, I think, because he's he's still he's lost his sense of smell. Oh, <laughs> so still he hasn't come still, back yet. <laughs> yeah, um, so for me, I, I was um, I was unwell for three four days, fevers, chill, body aches, um, but I got over it much quicker. Right. Well, that's that's most interesting. Maybe we should put Josh on the phone and uh, and have a bit of a quick chat with Josh and find about uh, his experience. Uh, Josh, are you there? Yeah, hi, Lau. How you doing? Yeah, good, thanks, Josh. Hey, great to have you on the phone. You're the pastor of the uh, of the uh, of the Ride Church, and uh, yeah. of course, you've been dealing with all of the COVID challenges. You know, over the last couple of years, like all of us have, uh, as pastors have, were you expecting that you would be uh, coming down with COVID uh, at some point, or even so soon? I think it got to the point where everybody was thinking we're going to get it at some point. Mm. Um, probably not so soon, but um, yeah, we were expecting it was going to happen at some point. Sure. And were you able to then, you know, obviously in your ministry, were you able to make preparations like have a uh, uh, a COVID plan? Okay, this is how things operate when I catch COVID. Yeah, not really. Like I, like I said, we, we were expecting to get, it, to get it at some point, not so soon. The thing with us that was, I guess, a blessing was that we got it pretty much the first week of the new year, which is a year where most people are on holidays, people are away, church activities are at a minimum. Mm. So it, it kind of was the best time to get it. Okay, so here's the uh, here's the big question then. Did uh, did you get COVID during annual leave and did your annual leave get smashed by COVID? <laughs> no, I actually didn't have annual leave because we had uh, plans to go somewhere and those plans got cancelled because of the outbreak. And so we then ended up moving our plans to February when things calmed down. So we're about to go on holidays next week. Um, but I was transitioning into a brand new church and I wanted to be there from the very beginning of the year. So it wasn't annual leave. I actually need to, to sort out some sick leave for that week. Yeah, um, but yeah, lucky it wasn't in the middle of holidays. I have relatives and friends who had just planned holidays and so forth. And 
and they they were in a tough situation because some of them just couldn't go because of the fact that they tested positive. Yeah, well, I can see that in, in many respects you were blessed in that you were able to use your sick leave because that's what sick leave is for and you'd already mm-hmm. been able to cancel your holiday plans. So that's a, that's a blessing there, Josh. Um, it, it could have been much worse yeah. than that. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to um to, to share a little bit because um, we, we did share that we were not vaccinated um, and the reason why we were not vaccinated um, really came down to the fact that we were considering it. We were just so unsure. We were just getting so much different information from different places. And I, I had been going through a bit of a health um, issue for the last almost two years. And during that time, I had a number of surgeries. And I ended up finding out that I was quite allergic to a number of medications. Um, a couple of my reactions to, to just basic medications like anesthesia and uh, ibuprofen and so forth. Um, ended up with me having to go to hospital because of the reactions that I had had to that. So I was trying to get that sorted out because I was a little bit afraid. If I'm getting bad reactions to just common things, I didn't know what the vaccine might might do. And at the same time, we had a a friend of ours who had a similar health condition that that Tanya has, um, and they they took um, Pfizer, and on the first shot, um, they became paralyzed and, and had a severe reaction when it's almost like about, I think, seven or eight months ago that that happened and they're still not recovered. And so we were just, yeah, just trying to to kind of work it all out. We were kind of waiting for the Novavax because it was a different type of vaccine. And while we were still trying to sort all of that out, we were waiting for maybe a different option. Boom, we get COVID. Yeah, you did the Um, old-fashioned one. Yeah, and look, you know, everything that we had been told, we, you know, we were fearful that, that things might escalate to a point, but, you know, thank God they didn't. But like you said, I'm, I've come to realize because my parents have had COVID as well and they're elderly, they were vaccinated, um, um, they got a bit sick, but we kind of had the same experience. And there are other people, though, that seem to get it much worse. Other people don't really seem to get it that hard. It really hits everyone differently. It's, it's so it's, individual. It's an incredible thing. Yeah, it really is. So, so Josh, just coming back to, you know, navigating the, this whole thing through ministry, um, mm-hmm. you know, the big fear for us as pastors is, you know, that we pass this on to our congregations. Here we get up this front and uh, and we and we preach. You know, we love to preach the word, and when you're preaching the word, you know, you are you're breathing hard. That's that, that's hard work <laughs> yeah. right there. Um, yeah. How did this go at your? You've just started a new church. Did you start your new church by infecting them all with COVID? No, I didn't. Thank God, because um, the very first um, Sabbath of the of the year. Um, I wasn't at the church because I, I'm currently looking after two churches and the ch- I'm, I'm pastoring a church plant and an established church. And my first Sabbath of the month is for my church plant. But my church plant happened to be on a break. And so I wasn't at any church scheduled to be there on the first Saturday, which was really in my first week of the covid I was supposed to be at, at the new church on the second Saturday of the month, but obviously I didn't go because I was still recovering. I wanted to make sure that I was in the clear before I went back. So I went on the third Saturday of the month to the church and different, like what happened with, with my, my eldest daughter got it three days. She recovered no issues, like nothing had happened. Tanya recovered within probably say seven days of like she was fully recovered. 
I recovered from COVID around that time as well, but I ended up having um, a bit of long COVID uh, symptoms um, afterwards. So for about the f- 10 days after actual COVID had gone, for the first five days, I had a persistent headache that wouldn't go away. And the second uh, part of that, the last five days of it, I had like a brain fog where I felt just really off and disorientated. And I actually had to preach my first sermon of the year with brain fog. Oh, no, that's rough. It was a horrible experience because I was so paranoid that I was going to lose my train of thought in the middle of an important point that I was trying to make. And I, I wasn't just feeling great. Like I was, I wasn't COVID positive anymore. Um, all my COVID symptoms had gone. And so I knew that I was okay to go. And I made sure that, you know, I didn't have COVID and I wasn't going to, you know, get anyone sick. But, um, but yeah, but I did have that brain fog going on and that was, that was not a good experience. But thank God. Um, yeah, just a few days after that, the brain fog cleared up. I did notice though, as my wife mentioned earlier, that. Um, my my sense of smell kind of got a little bit, um, yeah. I we I was I was cooking one day in the kitchen, and I had put something into the. Um, I have like a grill under the oven, and I don't know if it was me or one of my daughters, but we had put like we have this little um, frying pan that's for for eggs, right? And we have like a, a spatula that goes with it, and apparently the spatula had caught onto the grill and it started to burn and it was putting off a really off smell. Um, and I didn't smell it. I couldn't smell it. And my family came running into the kitchen saying, what's that smell? It's horrible. And I didn't know what they were talking about. And then I realized what happened and I was like, Oh no, I, I, I couldn't smell that. And that's when I realized that my, my smell had been affected. Yeah, that's pretty wild when you can't smell the uh, the smell of the pungent odor of burning plastic. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty full. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. very fi- finally, um, obviously, there's going to be a lot of pastors who are going to be catching COVID. Uh, any any words of wisdom, uh, advice for what to do, uh, how to navigate this uh, with your churches? Uh, just treat it like the normal flu, or uh, anything in particular that you would recommend. Well, look, even though you, your symptoms and so forth might feel like a, a bad flu, obviously, you know, we have a lot of information to suggest it's, it can be more than a flu for a lot of people. Um, just, you know, isolate, do everything that you need to do. Um, I, I got some information from some doctor friends that I have, um, you know, to take vitamin D, lots of vitamin C, um, this thing called black seed oil. We ended up getting some of that. And yeah, just hydrate yourself. Um, and one of the advices that I would give is, you know, don't do anything until you feel a hundred percent, because for some people I've noticed having had conversations and through my own experience that even after COVID is kind of gone and out of your system, you can still have some lingering symptoms, um, like headaches in particular. And it can be a little bit scary because you do hear that some people have these symptoms for months. Um, after, you know, they recover from COVID. But most cases that I've, you know, spoken to people that have had it, it, it kind of goes away within a week or two. But, um, yeah, you know, you want to make sure that you're, you're, um, you're COVID negative before you, you interact with anyone from your church. You know, ch- churches are, there's a lot of elderly people and so forth at most churches, and you want to make sure that they're going to be safe and protected. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's, look, I don't... I, 
I know these days anything that you say about this subject can be twisted and taken the wrong way, so I do want to be careful with what I say, but most of the people that I know personally that have had COVID, they've all said to me that it's been like a bad flu. Yeah, um, and so, you know, yeah, just do your best to look after yourself and and rest a lot, but make sure that before you start interacting with anyone or you go back to church and so forth that, yeah. That you're, you know, you're not in a situation where you're able to pass this on to someone else because yep. it, even if it affects you mildly, it can affect someone else differently. Yep. Don't come back too soon. I think that's a uh, a good message right there, Josh and Tanya, uh, ministry team from uh, Sydney. Thank you so much for joining us here and sharing with us your experiences of navigating this in a ministry context. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at one eight hundred Faith FM.